Good morning. Greetings in Jesus' name. It's good to be gathered together. Our prayer is that God's kingdom would come and infill us and uh, create in us a clean heart and that we could uh, be a true testimony of what God wants us to be. Well, before we start, why don't we have a word of prayer? Dear Lord, we come to you this morning in Jesus' name. We thank you, Father, that you are alive. We thank you that Jesus is not in the grave, but he's in heaven, and he's interceding for us. Thank you, Lord, for the gift of salvation that is free and open to all those that repent and believe and trust in you, Father. Lord, I pray that you would help us to, uh, to live out our salvation. Lord, according to your will, help us, Father, to be in the center of your will. You have a will and a plan for each one of our lives. Lord, and I pray that you would help us to, uh, that we would find ourselves uh, in, in your presence and uh, drawing strength from you. Thank you for this opportunity that we have to gather together and read your word and sing praises to you. Pray this all in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, this morning I'd like to uh, share a few thoughts out of Psalms. And uh, where my thoughts kind of stem from is the last couple days, or here a couple days ago, and I've shared uh, this thought with some of you, I think even yesterday. Um, We have this uh, devotion book that we've got that we go through as family devotion and in there it kind of starts at Genesis and goes all the way through the Bible and uh, in there we got to where the the flood came to the earth and destroyed everybody except that was in the ark and uh, through their calculations and it's a little bit of uh, just some averages they estimated that there could have been up to 33 billion people before the flood now, that is way more than there are now. And in my mind, I always thought that there was probably way less. But they took kind of the average um, lifespan back then and how many children you could have had and how, many, how much time there was. You know, So it's obviously uh, just kind of some estimating. So I've been thinking about this. Wow, there, was, there could have been, might have been, a lot of people in this world before the flood. And we know that the Bible talks about how God repented or was, in my words, sorry for what was going on, that he created those, those people. And, and what I imagine, you know, is uh, he was sorry and it repented him how they were living their lives and how evil they were. It says that the people were evil. So he kind of started over and we have the opportunity now to serve him in, uh, in our time, and are we doing that? <clears throat> so I was thinking a little bit of the value of human life, what value we have to God. And, uh, you know, according to that story, it seems like he just wiped everybody off the earth that was not serving him and started over. But we see all through the scripture that God values human life very, very much. And uh, so my mind went to the different verses about us being the apple of his eye. So I'd like to read here in Psalm 17, beginning in verse 1, going through 9, as kind of our text. 
David says, Psalm 17, verse 1 says, Hear the right, O Lord, attend unto my cry. Give ear unto my prayer that goeth not out of feigned lips. Let my sentence come forth from thy presence. Let thine eye behold the things that are equal. Thou hast proved my heart. Thou hast visited me in the night. Thou hast tried me and shall find nothing. I am purposed that my mouth shall not transgress. Concerning the works of men, by, thy, by the word of thy lips I have kept me from the path of the destroyer. Hold up my goings in thy path, that my footsteps slip not. I have called upon thee, for thou wilt hear me, O God, in thine, incline thine ear unto me, and hear my speech. Show thy marvelous loving kindness, O thou that savest. Put thy right hand, them which put their trust, no, sorry, by thy right hand, let me start over in verse 7. Show thy marvelous loving kindness, O thou that savest. By thy right hand them which put their trust in thee from those that rise up against them. Keep me as the apple of thine eye, or the eye. Hide me under the shadow of thy wings, for the wicked that oppress me from my deadly enemies who compass me about. I guess I'd like to draw a few uh, points from this, this chapter. Is our prayer like David's here? Thou hast, in verse 3, he says, Thou hast proved mine heart, thou hast visited me in the night, thou hast tried me and shall find nothing. Can we say that too, that God has tried us and shall find nothing? I have purposed that my mouth shall not transgress. You know, we know that our mouth, our tongue can do great damage. But is this our testimony? Can we say, can we ask God to keep us as the apple of his eye, under the shadow of his wing. The human eye is a very complex organ. The nerve, the optic nerve, and the visual cortex are a separate and distinct subsystem. Yet together, they capture and deliver and interpret up to 1.5 million pulse messages per millisecond. The eye allows us to see fiery colors of a sunset or the pinpoint of a light in the night sky. We use the word eye to talk about perception of many kinds. When we say <clears throat> something is eye-catching or an eye-opener, <clears throat> if we're watching something carefully, you're keeping your eye on the ball or your eyes are peeled. If you ex excel in something, you have an eye for it. If you and I agree about something, we see things eye to eye. In the original Hebrew text, the phrase, the apple of his eye, is maybe a little bit more literally translated, um, the little man of his eye. And it, you probably all have done this, but if you look very closely into somebody's eye, even a baby or very closely into somebody's eye, you see a tiny reflection of yourself in the pupil. Our word pupil comes from the Latin word, I won't pronounce it, but it kind of looks like pupil, which means little doll. At some point in our language development, the little man or little doll becomes the apple of the eye, possibly because pupils are round. They kind of use a round object as a description of apple. 
So the Latin word for pupil is little man or little doll. The amazing reality behind this image is that figuratively speaking, when believers look into God's eye, do they see their own reflection? Why? Because the Father is always looking at his children. The eyes of the Lord are in every place. They're beholding the righteous. But the face of the Lord is against them that do evil. Sin turns our eyes away from God. So if you think about this a little bit, would a better question be, am I the apple of God's eye? Because when I behold my Father, and I am in the presence of God, and God's face is shining upon me, there should be a reflection of me in the apple of God's eye, or in God's eye. When I step away from that, and I commit a sin or I transgress, God's face does not turns away from sinners. So I guess the question that I, that I find myself asking, am I the apple of God's eye? Am I in a place where I can say that in my communion with him, I can look steadfastly and directly into the eyes of God? I have that communication When I transgress, automatically, just like Adam and Eve in the garden, when God came walking through the garden and they had transgressed, guess what they tried to do? They tried to run and hide. And that's exactly what happens to us when we transgress. We can't look somebody directly into the eyes. And uh, so the question is, am I the apple of God's eye or do I turn away? Am I not that little person that I can see as a direct reflection out of God's face. What does it mean to really be the apple of God's eye? As we know that uh, eyes are very, very sensitive, it's probably one of the most sensitive things that we have on our bodies and our bodies will literally do everything they can to protect our eyes. I don't know if you've ever noticed, but sometimes when you're riding a bike, driving a four wheeler or something, and all of a sudden you blink and just like that, a bug hits your eye lash or eyelid. And I think that your, your body can almost think faster than what you can think. You don't you think to quick close your eye before the bug hits your eye, but some, it's happened to me already. All of a sudden you blink and something hits you in the eye. Our body is, is designed to take care of our eyes. And uh, if you think also of the protection in, uh, in our bodies, protecting our eye, eyes, <clears throat> that's how I believe God protects his children. He is very sensitive what happens to them. But it is our responsibility to be in that spot. It's our responsibility to be in the apple of God's eye is what I would like to look at um, a few different points. Point number one I have here is to be the apple of God's eyes, to experience God's love and protection. Knowing that God loves us, David asked here in Psalms 17, uh, 17, where we um, read, 
about guarding him or keep me as the apple of thine eye. Hide me under the shadow of, the, of thy wing. There's a protection. One time I read this story about this uh, man. They were this family. They were very poor. And he was a minister at a church that he lived three blocks away from. So they would walk to church. And on the way to church, he had two little boys. And on the way to church, there was this one house that the boys took great notice in. And they always knew when they were getting closer, close to this one house. Because this house had two big, mean dogs. So as they would get close to this house, the dad would say, Okay, boys, why don't you come close to me? And he would pick up this stick, and he'd have the boys on one side, the stick in another hand, and he would keep those dogs away. And uh, those, the little boy was writing, or the little boy was saying that there was this security and protection he felt from those dogs because his dad or his father was in between him and those dogs. That is how we can find ourselves if we are right in close communication or close communion with God. If we can see ourselves, if we can look God into the face, he is there to protect us from the enemy. But if we step out of that protection, the enemy has access to us as deception and discouragement and on and on. Many different things can go. Also, for our uh, spiritual growth, I believe that God ministers strength and encouragement and reminds us of victories won previously in our life. Just like I believe it's very important for parents to be able to communicate to their children, even when they're young babies, with their eyes. That's the way you communicate with little babies is from your eyes. You, you can communicate love and encouragement to a little baby that is just a newborn, and it is simply through your eyes. And uh, I believe if we find ourselves in that place with God, he will bring uh, to mind, to memory, victories that have been won in our Christian life to encourage us, <clears throat> to strengthen us. He'll bring Bible verses Do I find myself in the line of sight with God? To be in the apple of God's eye is also to keep his commandments. One very important way, I believe this is in in, uh, experiencing God's protection and his loving care. Let's turn to Proverbs chapter 7. Verse 1 through 3. My son, keep my words, lay up my commandments with thee. Keep my commandments and live, and my laws as the apple of thine eye. Bind them upon thy fingers, write them upon the table of thine heart. Here we see that uh, Solomon is writing, I believe, here about value, value, keeping in value the uh, the commandments uh, that he has been given to them. If we see them as important as our eyes, our, our, uh, our, our way to see, 
One thing that's kind of interesting, did you know, like I said, the eye is a very, very complex organ, probably the most complex organ on our, on our body, but it virtually does us no good without light. If it was all dark, your eyes wouldn't do you any good. And we know that the Bible says that my word is a lamp unto your feet and a light unto your soul or whatever it says there. Without that light, our eyes would be no good. We need to stay in the um, we need to stay in the word and and see them as as important as our as our eyes to be able to go through this life. Our eyes are our way to seeing our life. One thing, uh, another aspect of it is. Uh, this is my last point, but I think it's a very, very important part of family life and church life. To be the apple of God's eye, or in that, is to value others as he does. And what I mean by that is, especially in the body or other believers, if you, if you take an example like this, in our house, I love to take out splinters. And you get the children, they have a splinter, and all they know that dad likes to take out splinters, and they come all excited. And uh, one thing I've learned is I will pretty much explain to them that if you leave this splinter in here, it's only going to get worse and worse and worse. Or I should say the best way to take out a splinter out of a child is to get them to understand that if you leave this in there, it's going to get worse and worse and worse. Now it's going to hurt to take it out. But it's only going to get worse. So they lay their hand on the table, their arm, their foot, whatever. And I start, I don't try to hold it and pin it down and dig with a knife. I take a pin and I start digging. And they can watch if they want to. See, now we're going to pull this skin back. And, get, and every now and then they yank away. Ouch, it hurts. That's fine. You can leave it in there. But it's only going to get worse. So we dig a little bit more, dig a little bit more. And it usually always works. We can get it out. Well, one time... One of my children came, and they had this big thing in their eye. Well, I don't know if it's too big, but there's this black bug that got in there. Oh, it hurt. So I took a uh, napkin or a tissue, and I wound it up to I just had a real little point. And I told them this is going to hurt so a little bit, but it's, it's going to get better. So I pulled down the eyelid, and I ever so carefully went in there and tried to just touch the thing that needed to come out and take it out. Now, if you think of that as <clears throat> brothers and sisters in the church as being the apple of God's eye, sometimes things have to be said that might hurt. But if we all realize that the reason things might be said or have to be done are only to make things better, and the one saying it needs to do it with ever so much care only to take out what needs to come out, if you take this example and you, and you reverse it and say that my tactic to taking out splinters would be to sit on the child, I'd take a spoon or a knife and I'd take out a big chunk to make sure that splinter all comes out. Do you think they would come to me when they'd have something in their eye? Absolutely not. And uh, how many times do we do this, though, when we talk about someone or we have a concern about someone or we, have, we may see a struggle in someone's life. How often do we sit on someone and take out way more than is necessary? 
If we view somebody else, another Christian, or a brother or sister, as the apple of God's eye, sometimes things have to be done. Sometimes struggles have to be fixed. Nobody's perfect. We all have, uh, we all have things that we need to be, need, need to be uh, enlightened on. But if it's done ever so carefully as to only fix the problem, it works for the one doing it, and it works for the one that it's being done to. Because we realize that, yes, we need each other, and this is going to hurt for a little bit, but it's simply to make it better. It's simply to make it better. And if we have that attitude of building each other up, and we have that, that uh, concept of how precious each, per, each person is, um, how beneficial that can be. And, uh, and also the importance of being the apple of God's eye, being able to see in our devotions, in our personal life, looking up to God and, and in that line of sight, seeing ourselves in the apple of God's eye, seeing us. Am I the reflection that I would imagine God would want to have on this earth? of himself can I see myself looking fully into God's eye and that is a question that everybody kind of has to answer themselves it's not something that because God knows the hidden thoughts of a man you can hide things from men but you can't from God can I look fully into the face of God with an open face and say like David did uh, there's nothing it's open I am the apple of God's eye. Or does God, when he looks at me, have to turn his face because of things in my life? So that's, uh, that's kind of where my thoughts were, have been going the last couple of days when I've been thinking of the value of human life and the apple of God's eye and the, how sensitive our eyes are and how God... Um, how God compares his children to his eyes how precious we are and then also uh, there at that last point about how I see other people do I see them as the apple of his guy of God's eye and how careful I need to be with those relationships so I hope that's a blessing for uh, for you and you can find encouragement this week as we go throughout this week this life this these uh, last times of ours when it seems deception and, uh, and uh, the devil is out to destroy, uh, and he's going to do it any way he can, let's find ourselves lining up with the eyes of God and being able to look directly into his face and say, there's nothing. I can see myself, even though through, my, through, the, through the blood of Jesus, nothing that I've done, as God's apple of his eye and... Uh, and if there's something in my life, letting other people help me take that speck out of my eye. Because it only broadens the testimony for God and it only clears us up more with God, um, with our communication with God and, and our brothers and sisters. So may that, uh, hopefully that was a blessing and encouragement. <clears throat>